So we are starting, we're going to do a quick two-week series to help you out before Thanksgiving. In a few moments, this is all going to make perfect sense. This series, I'm just simply calling it How to Have a Good Fight. Because Thanksgiving is coming, and some of you are going to be around people, and you just need to know how to have a good fight. Like, am I the only one who thinks this is appropriate? I don't know. Like, you guys are all looking at me like, you guys all have families where you don't have fights, I guess. Okay, I get you. So um, here's the deal. If you're around people... If you're around family members, if you're around coworkers, if you're around other students at school, conflict is unavoidable. We all face conflicts. In fact, how many, how many married people do we have in the room? This, yeah. I mean, how many of you love your spouse? Okay. Are you probably, if you just raise your hand that you're married, you probably should raise your hand to that. You love your spouse. How many of you, you love your spouse? How many of you have had conflict? How many of you had conflict this No, don't, don't show your hand on that. Some of you are like, this morning, like we had a fight on the way to church, right? Like conflict is just part, whether you're married, single, whether you're a student in, in middle school, like conflict is, conflict is a part of life, isn't it? And here's a question. If you are a follower of Jesus, I think this is a question we want to ask about all kinds of issues. But when it comes to conflict, here's a question. How can I honor Jesus in this conflict? See, conflict is a part of life. Jesus, I hate to break it to you, Jesus had conflict. Jesus faced, or actually he faced a whole lot of conflict. And so the question isn't that we can get to a place where we don't have conflict. The question is, how can I deal with conflict in a way that is honoring to God? How can I have a good fight? How can I have a good fight as opposed to a bad fight? So we're going to be today and next Sunday, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. In fact, today we're just going to cover a little bit of it, and then next Sunday we're going to cover a whole lot of it. We're going to be in Acts chapter 15, and I want to challenge you to look this up for yourself, whether you have a paper Bible or a digital Bible. If you'd go ahead right now and, and go to Acts chapter 15, while you're going there, let me set it up this way. In Acts chapter 15, kind of the, the scene is we have a church called the Church in Antioch. Antioch. Now, if you've been around church, you probably haven't heard a whole lot about the church in Antioch, and yet the church in Antioch was one of the greatest churches in this time period. Now, some of you are wondering, what time period are we talking about? We're talking about within the 30, 35 years after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, the church begins to just explode in growth. By the way, just as a side note, modern secular historians are really scratching their heads, and there's even been some things written recently about how in the world was a church able to grow so quickly? Because the empire was against them, the Jewish temple and all of its leadership and mechanisms and bureaucracy was against them. How did this group of literally just a couple hundred people spread so quickly throughout the Roman Empire when everything was against them? I know the answer. It's because it was true. And truth, even when it is persecuted, even when it is attempted to be snuffed out, truth always wins. That's just a sidebar. So anyhow, and so the church is spreading, and you have this, the churches now that have popped up in Ephesus and Corinth and Galatia and Thessalonica, and these churches are all over the place, and you have this church in Antioch that God is moving in a powerful way and revival is happening. And the reason why we know revival is happening is because they are sending out leaders to other places to start churches. I mean, it's just incredible what's going on. And Paul and Barnabas are a part of the church in Antioch. And what happens is a fight emerges. A group of people comes into the church and starts teaching something that is contrary to what Paul and Barnabas have been teaching. And so there's a fight that happens. 
And we're going to get into this in just a moment. We're going to start in verse 1. But before I start in verse 1, I want to, I want to just, I want to ask you to do something for me this morning. When we talk about this today and next week, as we talk about conflict, your tendency, your bent is going to be to listen to the sermon through the lenses of somebody else. Okay? Maybe you don't do this, but people in first service do this for sure. But you listen to this and you go, oh, man, I wish my husband was here today. Or I wish, I wish so-and-so was here today. Or how can I get? And, and what we do, and we all, this is just how our bent, is we, we want to process this through somebody that we know that really needs this. I want to challenge you to invite the Holy Spirit to just say, Spirit of God, I welcome you to challenge me. And help me to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you are wanting to say to me this morning. And God, would you change me and help me to be better at this? Okay, so we're going to get into Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And we're going to look at the question, when you were in a fight, if you could, if the Spirit of God could empower you to zoom out, the first question you would want to ask is, what are we fighting about? What are we fighting about? Is this essential? Here we go. In, in verse 1 it says, Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, and here's a teaching, Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you have some teachers that are coming in and they're saying, hey, it's nice that you guys are singing about Jesus and it's nice that Paul and Barnabas are preaching to you about Jesus, but what you don't know is in order to really follow Jesus, you need Jesus plus a surgery. And all the men in the room say, no way, right? Like, I mean, can you imagine, like, we got a room back here, we got a surgeon, we got some bright lights, and, and we'll fix you up, and then you can really know that you're going to heaven when you die. And it says, Paul and Barnabas, I love verse 2, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, and the New Living Translation says, arguing vehemently. Like the Greek has this idea of that there's incredible passion. This isn't like a mild, meek-mannered little conflict. This is a, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't just teach that. You didn't just tell them that. Like that's not true. Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, 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 no. There's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus, period, right? And this leads us to the question of what, what am I fighting about? I, I'm telling you there are so many times where Carrie and I will be in a fight and all of a sudden it dawns on us that we're really not even disagreeing with each other. And I'll let you in on a secret. Kids really do this to you, right? Like we're fighting with you and we go, wait, we're on the same team. Like we're really not even disagreeing. It's those stinking kids, right? Like they're the reason. And, and so... Here, here's the question. If you could zoom out, maybe it's just going to the bathroom for a minute, close the door, lock it, sit on the toilet, and just ask the question like, what are we in there fighting about right now? Because really there's three levels of issues that we tend to fight about. And I'm going to use, for the purpose of this illustration, I'm going to use the church. Because I hate to break it to you, there's a lot of fights that happen in church. Now, I'm grateful. Journey Church is almost 15 years old. I can tell you that there, God has just blessed us with such a spirit of unity, and I'm so grateful for that. And I don't want to ever take that for granted. This is not a sermon that is a reaction to any kind of fighting that's going on in Journey Church that I know about. Maybe it's stuff that, that you guys are keeping secret from me. But so, so this isn't a reaction to something going on in our church. But I wanted to use the church as an example because, first of all, it's the example that we're, that we're looking at in Acts chapter 15, but also because there are some big knock down drag out fights that happen in churches i grew i grew up in a great church doctrinally great church i mean incredible church and i remember twice 
in, in my growing up years where there was fights big enough that the next Sunday you went to church and half the people weren't at church because they had started their own church. That's a church fight, y'all. <laughs> right? There's some nasty things that people fight about at church. Church can bring out the ugly in people. And so it's, it's important, and we're going to see this in Scripture, that there's really three layers of issues. And the smallest issue is what I would call the essentials. The essentials. And the essentials are always worth fighting about. The essentials are always worth having conflict over. The essentials, let me give you in church, in, in our church world, here, here are our essentials. The essential is Jesus Christ came to earth fully the Son of God, fully, fully God himself, and fully man. That, that's essential. Essential is Jesus went to the cross brutally tortured, horrifically executed to take upon himself the sins of man, the sins of humanity, to take upon himself our punishment that we naturally deserve. He took that all upon himself. That's essential. And essential is that on the third day, Jesus was bodily resurrected, physically resurrected. And I say that because there's some churches now that say they're Christian churches that no longer teach that Jesus is bodily resurrected. There's just some kind of ethereal, like spiritual state of resurrection. No, he was physically resurrected from the grave. We'll fight over that. That's essential, right? Essential is that not only was he bodily resurrected, 40 days later he ascended to heaven where he is currently seated at the right hand of God, exalted. He is a conqueror. He is victorious. That's essential. Jesus is coming back. And we can fight over when it's going to happen and all those things. Those are, those are sidebar issues. But he is coming back, and that is essential that we realize that he's coming back. It's essential to realize that there's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ receiving his grace, receiving his forgiveness, inviting him into your life. That's essential. Those are the essentials. In your marriage, you need to decide what are the essentials. In your relationships, you need to decide what are the essentials. And here's the problem. Too many times we get into, I'm just going to speak to our students in the room for a second, middle school students, high school students, college students, those of you who are still single. Man, watch out who you date. Because at some point, if your dating leads to marriage, you're going to have to have the question, what are the essentials in our marriage? And too many people get married and realize we don't have a common set of blueprints and so there's all kinds of fighting because there's nothing that is essential that they have in common. Does that make any sense? So there's, there's different layers. A second layer is what I would call traditions. Tradition, tradition. Traditions. Now, now traditions, let's go back to the church analogy. The traditions, listen, there's going to be all kinds of people in heaven. There's going to be people represented from churches that you don't agree with. They're going to be in heaven. Do you know that? Did you know there's going to be Catholics in heaven? Yes, there will be. Yes, there will be. There's going to be Lutherans in heaven. There's going to be Methodists in heaven. There's going to be Baptists in heaven. Like there's, there's going to be all, and you know what? But, but we don't have the same traditions. We, don't, we worship 
Right now, we're worshiping differently than they're worshiping on the other side of town. There, there's different traditions that we have. We sing differently. We dress differently. We allow you to bring coffee into this room. I literally, a couple years ago, had someone who said, I love your church. I love your preaching. I love the singing, the worship. So I felt the presence of God. I can't ever come back to this church because you let people have coffee in the, in the worship center. I said, you know what? That, that's tradition, and I'm glad you recognize that. I'm glad you recognize that you need to be a part of a church where they don't allow that. Right? that th- these are traditions. Okay? We, need to, we need to be able to recognize what is essential and what is tradition. Right? Here's, a, here's a third layer. We're going to call this opinions. And the longer you are alive, the more opinions you accumulate. Here's the problem, and this, I'm using an example of churches. We can talk about this later in other realms. When it comes to fights in churches, what areas do you think people have the most fights in churches? Opinions and traditions. Very rarely do we have fights over essentials. We have fights over, well, I don't think kids' ministry should be done this way. We have fights over, I don't think the pastor should be wearing jeans in the, in the sanctuary of the Lord. Right? We, we, have fight, we have fights over, literally, we have fights over carpet. People, people have left churches. I know, because I have pastors who talk to me. We have, people will leave churches over the choice of carpet. I'm like, we, we try to choose carpet that you wouldn't think about. We don't want you thinking about the carpet. Why? Because we want Jesus to be the focus. I don't want to have a fight over opinions or traditions. Let's have fights over essentials. Let's talk about that. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. So here's where this gets a little uncomfortable in church circles is let me, let me just give you a hypothesis, okay? Let me, let me just say what if we knew for certain that hundreds of people in Sandusky County could come to Jesus if we were willing to stretch our opinions or our traditions? Would we be willing to stretch our opinions and traditions if it meant hundreds of people came to know Jesus? It got quiet in here. Would you be willing to stretch your traditions? Would you be willing? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about essentials. We're not going to negotiate our, our essentials ever. Would you be willing to stretch your traditions and your opinions if it meant people coming to know Jesus, come to faith in Jesus? That's a good question to ask. Here at Journey, my, I'll give you the answer for Journey Church because I'm the pastor, at least as long as I'm the pastor. Yes. We better be willing to stretch our traditions and our opinions if it means people coming to know Jesus. And in fact, most of the time when it comes to conflict, how about we just keep our opinions to ourselves? I mean, you can express, I'm not saying don't express them, but as soon as you see that there's conflict, hey, that's just my opinion. That's it. I don't, we don't need to have a fight over this. It's just my opinion. You know what a phrase that I've been, I've been learning, counselor taught me this uh, a, a couple years ago, and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, but it's so hard. I've been trying to get better at just saying, when someone starts having conflict with me, and it's not about an essential, I've been trying to get better at just saying, you're probably right. And not even in a snarky way, because that could come across like really snarky, like, yeah, you're probably right. No, but just, like, no seriously, like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. You have different experiences. You have, you've seen things differently. I need to process that. I need to think about that. See, so many times, like, we will fight to the death over something that isn't even an essential. 
And, and here's what I love about Paul and Barnabas is, man, this fight, th- this false teaching starts coming in, and I don't think Paul and Barnabas had it in them that they liked fighting. I don't think that this was part of their personality, that they were going around looking for a fight. But when they knew that it was an issue that was essential, that people were trying to change the gospel message, Paul and Barnabas were like, listen, it's on. We're going we're to fight over this. Now, you can apply these to your, in your marriage. I, I encourage you if, you, if you're married, sit down and have a date night. And if you're not at a fancy restaurant that has cloth napkins, if you have paper napkins, you know, draw out the circles on your napkins and just ask the question, what are the essentials in our marriage? It might take you a little bit of work. You might have to, but I tell you, this would be a great conversation to have. What are the traditions in our marriage? You know, Carrie and I, we both come from different backgrounds. I was raised differently than she was raised. And so we come together in a marriage, and we have different traditions. And can I tell you, the holiday season really brings us out, right? <laughs> Any of you ever had a fight over the holidays? And now you're going to, don't raise your hand, but okay, like, okay. But, but you know what? As soon as you're able to label, hey, what we're fighting about right now, this is traditions. Can we make our own traditions? Can we figure out how, how to come together? Sometimes fights and marriages have to do with roles and who's going to do what. And, well, my, my dad always did this, so I expect my husband to do this. Or my mom always did this, so I expect my wife to do this. And, and so, so, but listen, those are traditions. Those aren't essentials. So we're going to talk through that. We're going to figure that out. And then opinions. Man, everyone's got one. Just, just do what you will. So, you, so the first thing when you're fighting, and again, today's just kind of foundational. Next week, I mean, next week we're going to throw a lot at you. But today's just... just Zoom out and ask the question, what are we fighting about? Here's the second question. Who needs to be included in this fight? Who? Make sure that you are involving the right people in your fight. So let's keep going in in Acts chapter 15. It says, finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, what's going on there? This conflict has gotten so intense that the church in Antioch realizes they can't come to a resolution on their own. And so they do something incredibly smart. They decided, since we can't come to a resolution on our own, let's go to some people who have been around Jesus longer than we have. And that's who was in Jerusalem. The whole reason why they're sending people to Jerusalem is, who is in Jerusalem? Peter. James, the apostles, the people who had been around Jesus for the three years that Jesus was here on earth, they're in Jerusalem. And so they said, hey, we can't come to a resolution. Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's take this to some people who have been around Jesus longer than us, some people that we trust because of their spiritual maturity. Can I tell you, sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes your conflict, you're talking about essentials, it's so intense. Maybe you need to go to somebody that you both trust who is spiritually mature and further along the road than you are, who's maybe just a couple steps further than you are. Look at verse 3. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. And they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. Here's a great principle. So think about it. They're in Antioch. They're going to get some resolution by going to Jerusalem, right? But they can't fly there. They can't take a train. They can't drive there. They've got to walk there, right? 
And so it's going to be longer than a day's walk. And so on their way to Jerusalem, are you with me? On their way to Jerusalem, they stop in Phoenicia and they stop in Samaria just for a night's rest, right? There's other believers there. They're going to give them some hospitality, give them a place to stay, give them some food. And so, and so they have a decision when they get to Phoenicia, when they get to Samaria, you can imagine the other believers are going, hey, why are you guys heading to Jerusalem? And they have the opportunity, right, to be like, well, I'm glad you asked. Paul is being a knucklehead. I don't agree with Barnabas. These guys are false teachers. They're heretics, right? I mean, they have an opportunity to start dissing on the other people. But do you see what they're talking about? What are they talking about? Instead, it says, much to everyone's joy, they told them that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. Instead of talking about the problem, the conflict, the fight, instead, what are they talking about? They're talking about what God is doing. Let's talk about how the gospel is spreading. Let's talk about the people that are coming to know Jesus. Let's make that our emphasis, right? Here's a principle. And this this is a principle that if you don't have your notes, you should write this down. Don't involve the uninvolved. Okay, you didn't hear me. Because I'm telling you, this could help you in so many conflicts and so many fights. Don't involve the uninvolved. In fact, let's say this together. Don't involve the uninvolved. Listen, you're having a fight. You don't need to involve your mother-in-law. She doesn't need to be a part of the fight. If you're having a fight, let's keep the people who are involved in the conflict in the fight, and let's leave out those who are uninvolved. Can I tell you, this would save you so much pain. Because here's what, what the problem is. You start involving all these people who aren't involved, and then you finally come to a truce and finally come to agreement and you make up and, and especially in marriage, man, making up is the best part, right? And so you're good to go. The problem is you involved your mother-in-law and now she can't stand the guy, right? I mean, I mean it, and so don't involve the uninvolved. Just don't do it. But it's our human nature because we want to involve the uninvolved so that we feel better about our position. If you have an issue or a disagreement according to scripture, there's really two places to go. Number one, to go to the person the disagreement is with. So if, if I have a disagreement with somebody, I need to go to them. I'll, t- I'll tell you two scenarios where that, that is not true in, in church circles because we keep using the church as an example. If there's a ministry leader, a pastor, who has sexually abused you or physically abused you in any way, you don't need to go to them. You go to the police, sheriff's office, and then you go to their spiritual leader. Too many churches teach this weird, wonky spiritual authority thing, and it's kept people in darkness, and it's kept secrets, and it's kept abuse happening in churches. Okay, those are the only two scenarios I can think of where you shouldn't go directly to the person that you have offense with. I'm telling you, if that stuff, we do our due diligence here at Journey to make sure that nothing like that ever happens in our ministry areas. That's why safety team is such an important priority in our kids' ministries, why we make sure that we have our our kids' ministries fully staffed. That's why we're constantly asking for volunteers for kids' ministry. We want to make sure this is a safe place. Okay, that that really wasn't part of the sermon, but if you have a disagreement, go to the person that you have a disagreement with. Unless they've been abusive, and then go to, the, go to the law enforcement. If they won't receive you, if the person that you have a disagreement with, if they won't receive you, then go to your spiritual authorities. If you have an issue with me and it's over essentials and I won't talk to you about it, go to one of our board members. 
they're my spiritual authority, and they're, they're actually my boss. You know they can fire me. They, I hope they didn't know that. I don't know. So. Right? And so, so you, you go to the person that you have an offense with, and if that won't work, go to, go to someone who is a spiritual, a spiritual authority. Here, here's, here's, I know we've just got a few minutes left. I think this speaks to an issue that is way too prevalent among Christians. In fact, I'd say it's probably one of the greatest sins within the, in the, within the at least the American Christian church is gossip. And so what we do is I've got a problem with so-and-so. I've got, I'm, Tim, can I use you as an example? So I've got a problem with Tim Willis. I can't imagine I would ever have a problem with you. I've got a problem with Tim. And so in the American church, here's what we do. I, it'd be uncomfortable for me to go talk to Tim about the issue that I have with him. So what am I going to do instead? I'm going to tell my whole circle of friends about the problem that I have with Tim. And I'm going to try to frame it spiritually. You know, would you pray for Tim? Obviously, there's a spirit of rebellion. Obviously, there's a spirit of, you know, whatever. And we just need to pray for Tim. You know, last week, Tim looked at me, like he didn't shake my hand. He shook everybody else's hand in a circle, but he didn't shake my hand. And so can we just, can we just pray for Tim? Can I just tell you, that, that is gossip. And can I go a step further? The Bible is very clear that gossip is a sin. In fact, it is just as much of a sin as adultery and it's just as much of a sin as murder. And in fact, the Bible says in many places that gossip is a form of murder because I'm murdering someone else's character. So whenever I'm talking about somebody in a less than favorable light and they are not there, I'm gossiping. In fact, if you look at the definition of gossip, not only that, it often includes sharing details that aren't confirmed. So I heard... I heard that Tim didn't, I'm just trying to make up something, I can't even think of something, right? Like, and so what we do, we communicate these things to other people that we don't even know for certain. You go, well, I would never do that. Are you on social media? See, we, this isn't just people we know, people that we have a, a relationship with personally. We do this all the time with people that we'll never meet. Well, somebody else shared this. Do you know that it's true? I have no idea if it's true, but I don't like that scum bucket, and so I'm going to go ahead and send it. I don't know that this particular thing is true about this scum bucket that I don't like, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. And you know what that is? It's gossip. And what is gossip? It's a sin. And I'm telling you, so many people outside of the church would be so much more likely to lean in and hear the essential message of Jesus Christ if the church if followers of Jesus would quit gossiping. You have a problem with somebody? Go to that person. You say, well, I have a problem with someone I can never go to. Well, then you need to pray and ask God to change their heart. And leave your opinions to yourself. Oh, I can tell. You guys are loving this sermon. I can tell. So how should you respond to gossip? Here, here's a great question. Someone's talking, someone's, you know, talking about Tim Willis. And he's not there to defend himself, and you're getting, your bells are starting to go off. Oh, this is gossip. You know what you could do? You could just say, hey, have you talked to Tim? I'm telling you, it is amazing how quickly that will change the conversation. People will look at you like, what? 
Now, I, no, seriously, I was just wondering, you were talking about, have you talked to him about this? Because it sounds like you're pretty amped up. It sounds like you're pretty upset. Like, I was just, because Tim's a pretty good guy. Like, I've had good conversations with him. He's responded well to me when I've talked to him about this stuff. Like, have you talked to him? Well, no, I haven't. Well, okay, let's not talk about it any further until you've had that conversation. Do you want me to go with you? Or, or, you know, another way, if you're not comfortable doing that, is just to change the subject. You know, I'm not comfortable talking about this right now. But do you think the Browns have any shot against New England this afternoon? Like, just kind of wondering. Like, I mean, that, I mean if, if you have to do it that way, but don't, listen, when, even if you're not the person gossiping, if you're there listening and engaging in it and participate, you are gossiping now as well. But I didn't say anything. Yeah, but you allowed it to go on. Listen, we, we need to have some courage and some boldness as followers of Jesus and not just be like passive participants in this stuff. Anybody with me? Before we close today, I want to circle back around to something I talked about earlier because I think I, I don't want to just leave this. I think it's really important for somebody in this room today. I want to circle back around to these essentials because maybe you're here in this room and you've heard these kind of things talked about before. You've been in church. You've heard these things, but, but you yourself have never come to a place of saying, you know what, I'm going to choose to believe this stuff. And faith really is, faith is just a choice to say, I believe it. I, I don't have it all figured out. It does, there's parts of this that don't make sense to me, but I'm just going to choose to believe by faith that this really is true. I'm going to choose to believe by faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God come to earth. I'm going to choose to believe by faith that Jesus was crucified on a cross for me, for my sin, for my disobedience, for my rebellion, to take my punishment upon himself. I'm going to choose to believe by faith that on the third day, Jesus was physically resurrected from the grave. And this is a big deal, guys. This is a linchpin of our faith because Jesus' resurrection means that he has the authority and the power to do anything. That whatever you're facing, whatever addiction you're facing, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever hurt, whatever, whatever grief you're facing, that Jesus has the power to walk with you right through that. If he can bust through a grave, he can bust through the issues that you're facing in your life. To believe that he is alive today, that he is at the right hand of the Father, that at any time of the day, at any time of the night, that you can cry out to him and he is there and he hears you and he listens to you and he turns his face to you. To believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus, that he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. And that you can come to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins and he will forgive you and he will cleanse you and he will lead you and he will empower you to obey him and to live for him. Listen, I'm not, I'm not asking that you got it all figured out and, and that, 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 that it all makes logical sense to you, but, but have you come to a place that you've said, you know what, I'm gonna choose to believe. Listen, Jesus' followers, they didn't have it all figured out when Jesus invited them to follow him. The faith, if you look at it, the faith kind of kind of took a little while to evolve, if we could use that word. I'm asking you this morning, are you willing to start the journey of faith in Christ? Maybe you've gone to church, maybe you've been a good person, but you've never come to a place of saying, yeah, I really believe that stuff. This morning, you can join others in this room who came to a place where they just humbled themselves and said, you know what, I can't do this on my own. 
I don't have what it takes. I'm broken. I'm powerless. I'm helpless. Jesus, I believe that you are who the Bible says that you are. And that you have the power to save me. And I'm going to commit my life and my will to your care and to your control. I'm going to ask you all over this room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward this morning. But if you're here this morning and you say, Ken, I, I, I want to profess belief and faith in Jesus. I've never done this before. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've never professed a faith that he has crucified and risen and ascended and that, that he wants to be involved in my life. That he wants to empower me to follow him. If that's you this morning, and again, we're not going to embarrass you, but you'd say, Ken, would you pray for me? Like, I want to start this journey of faith in Christ. Would you just raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody else? You can lower your, yeah, over there. You can lower your hands after you've raised them. Anybody else? Man, five, six hands that just went up. That's amazing, you guys. That's why we exist. That's why we're doing what we're doing. We love you. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And the greatest thing that you could do before leaving here is come to that place of faith in Jesus. If you raised your hand, can I invite you just to pray with me? In fact, all of that, you know, even if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to ask all the believers in this room to pray with me as well. And, and, and let's just make a proclamation of faith together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he is your son, that he was crucified, that he is risen from the dead, he is exalted and alive today. I believe that I can only come to you through Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I invite you to be the master and leader of my life. Empower me to follow you, to do what you want me to do. Help me, I wanna follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, it's awesome. So I wish you could have seen the hands. I this is why we exist as a church, you guys.